Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I wish refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for December the 31st. In the year of our Lord, 2022, this is our one of two. And the, goal, and the goal always, to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. We use the blueprint for liberty, the Constitution for the United States of America, our guide, the checks and balances, brilliantly put in place by the founders, one of the great solutions we still have. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. This is a two-hour skip all the floater breaks broadcast. Why? Because it's Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve day. That's why. New Year's Eve day. What a day. Wow. The last day of 2022. Next broadcast will be saying 2023. Dr. Scott Bradley and I on Monday right after the holiday will bust out with hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use to kick off the year. Right. Be ready for that. Also be ready for the James Edwards broadcast tonight. He will be live having a celebration. I will be one of his guests appearing on the show as well to bring in the new year to, for all of you. So check that out, thepoliticalcesspool.org. My buddy James Edwards doing a phenomenal job, along with a bunch of other hosts, Eddie Miller uh, and Phil Turney and those guys doing a great job as well. So a lot of great content coming up. That's for sure. All right, a quick recap of yesterday's show with Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com. We talked about the North Shore leader, a tiny newspaper, broke the George Santos scandal. But no one really paid attention, says Sarah Ellison. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, they paid attention. They just don't care. See, it's coming to a city near you, whatever it is, lies, dishonesty, immorality, etc. Satan con. Yeah, I kid you not. Satan con, ladies and gentlemen, will be coming to a city near you. They're going to be in Boston with premium tickets. They've got it available now. You're going to get access to their marketplace. You're going to get a T-shirt. WorldNet Daily broke the piece of WND.com. And uh, Boston was home of the original Tea Party, as you know. Some of the America's most historical buildings and now SatanCon. The latest or the largest, they say, satanic gathering in history. The convention will be celebrating the satanic temples. 10th anniversary. So the question for all of you, will you be attending SatanCon? I absolutely will not be, ladies and gentlemen. Now CDC, that's the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they're the ones, along with teachers unions, putting all the pressure, instructing government school officials to promote the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender agenda. We have now caught them at it. We know who done it, and there you go. Folks, we have got to shut down the teachers' unions. you got to get your kids out of the government schools, and we need to shut down the unconstitutional CDC and their criminal activity. It is criminal activity, folks, when you lie about science and you turn against God and you jettison the truth on gender. You tell a perverted lie backed by tax dollars. It's been a secret combination of epic proportions because the American people don't know that it's the CDC backed by your tax dollars in bed with teachers unions putting this agenda together and forcing it down the throats of all. Let me say that again so you don't think your school's exempt. All educators, ladies and gentlemen, except for those in private or homeschool, that's for sure. 
All right, what happens when garbage trucks go green? They melt down in New York City. They tried it. They need 12 hours plus for the trucks to operate. These trucks can only operate at four hours. Brand new trucks, total meltdown, doesn't work, failure. Yeah, and just so you know, in addition to all that, um, as the batteries, you know, you use them, especially in cold weather, etc., uh, the life cycle of those batteries reduce, reduce, reduce. So the fact is they'll only be able to get two, three hours out of these trucks. They simply will not work for what they intended them for. What a shame, but what a tragic reality. We've been warning you about this forever, and we shall continue to do so. Look, the power-hungry devices and expectations and needs of electricity that we depend on today absolutely will not happen without coal-fired power plants, gas-fired power plants, or nuclear plants. Those are the only ways. Okay, um, there was a battle back in the day of Tesla's time where it was an AC-DC battle. And uh, AC was the long-distance delivery system, which created the central grid. We should have never gone that way, but government funded, subsidized, and manipulated themselves into the center of power distribution, thus the grid. They should have gone with DC power, which would have been less hungry on devices and less power usage. It would have been much better if the free market would have been allowed to operate, but no. So we get what we get, but bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, this new push for, quote, green stuff is disaster on every front. All right, it was absolutely shocking. A passenger was at the uh, um, Tennessee airport there uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, and the cops literally threatened to arrest folks that didn't literally get out of line and get away from the ticket counter. So Southwest was melting down, as you know. It was not weather-related. It was Southwest and computer-related. I believe they don't want to admit to you that hackers hacked it and caused all kinds of havoc. That's my opinion to which I'm entitled. Nobody's saying that now, so there's no evidence except for speculation on my part, except for it wasn't the weather. They claim it was outdated systems. But how come the outdated systems are back online running fine now, they claim? And how come the outdated systems before were fine? I don't know, Sam. Well, I believe a hack happened. It took them a long time to get recovered. Nevertheless, cops literally threatening to arrest folks just trying to figure out their flight plans to get home. What a tragedy we live in. We're literally devolving into a third world country before our very eyes. Wow. All right, that's a recap of yesterday's show. Today, news that I refuse to use starts right now. Chris Carlson on the road with me. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thank you, Sam. Without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting from the Lone Star Republic of Tejas. Yeehaw! All right, there Good you morning, have it, buddy. Sam. Welcome to the broadcast, sir, and a happy new year to you and your dear family. And yes, sir, uh, I've got, I'm, ca- I'm calling an audible here because there's news that's breaking, and we do that on this show all the time. Hard-hitting talk and news when it breaks. The Gateway Pundit put up something incredible. They've been working with all other investigators on this scandal about the January 6th fiasco. And you and I have reported on it extensively, Chris, Revolver Magazine, at many other places. Um, I even had folks... I even had folks on the broadcast with me that I knew personally uh, that were in the Capitol at the time, uh, and they reported literally the next day or two after the January 6th event. We couldn't get reporting live because the government shut down um, 
cell phone devices, et cetera, in the middle of this intentional scandal. Uh, but I got information out faster than anybody with on-the-scene people. In fact, I had such good information that some of my people uh, appear in the Epic Times movie about it, even. So there you have that. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. We are, believe it or not, with the Liberty News Radio Network, and we are forefront on some of the most incredible on-the-scene reporting of anybody. But nevertheless, uh, the, the Revolver magazine has done the best job gathering a lot of videos, putting uh, really the narrative together, that the government was in bed with operatives to make this happen. All right? Provocateurs in bed with government made this J6 happen. They've got innocent people in prison, Stuart Rhodes, I believe, to be one of them, uh, and many others. Now they're pointing the turret directly at the Donald. Um, whether you believe in Donald or not is your own business, but I don't believe Donald is responsible for Jay 6 like they want you to believe. And I have evidence and information on this that I've got to get to, and I've got to get to it right now. Uh, the headline says, weird. Ray Epps, Jay 6 committee testimony released. He admitted, quote, I was in the front, and I also orchestrated it. Now, here's what's interesting. He's still a free man. He literally admitted, I, I was in the front. I orchestrated it. He's still a free man, folks. And believe it or not, he was completely ignored in the final government report. Jim Hoft writes for thegatewaypundit.com. Now, Ray Epps is a free man. Never arrested after literally encouraging and pushing Trump supporters to rush the Capitol Police. And now we have evidence that Ray Epps helped hurl the Trump sign at the cops. Patty Mm. McMurray discovered a video, uh, and you can see it on the Gateway Pundit. I can't play it because it's just all it is is crowd noise almost. you got to watch it. But in this very damning video... Ray Epps is filmed hoisting the massive Trump sign with several other, and they say Trump supporters, but I would say provocateurs. And you can see Ray Epps in the video near the corner of the sign. The protesters walk over to where the cops are standing outside the U.S. Capitol. And Ray Epps is with them, leading them the entire time. After the sign is released... Ray Epps pops up, but he's seen directing the crowd. This was captured on video, ladies and gentlemen, thanks to Patty McMurray, who discovered this clip. Ray Epps, by the way, has never been arrested for directing the crowd in the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th. Ray Epps was not arrested for hurling the massive Trump sign at the cops. And so on Thursday, the sham January 6th committee released a slew of interviews that took place over the past two years. Uh, And the committee uh, released their interview with Ray Epps. During the interview, Ray Epps admitted he had orchestrated the break-in and that he was at the front. Can you believe this, folks? He literally admitted this in his testimony. All right. But Ray Epps has never been arrested for anything. All right. Believe it or not, there's a text from Ray Epps that was used in court as well. He says, I was in the front. I also orchestrated it, folks. He's also on video telling J6ers, go into the Capitol. 
So we're going to really blame Donald Trump. I'm not a Donald Trump supporter, folks, but I'm going to defend Donald on this. You're going to literally go after Donald, but yet you got this Ray Epps guy that literally says, I was in the front, and I also orchestrated it, and then you see him on video doing everything he says that he did. So you've got visual evidence as well as his testimony and texts and video that proves all this. He hasn't been arrested, and he wasn't mentioned in the report. So you got to ask why. Because it was a government setup, ladies and gentlemen. That's why. Now, believe it or not, other people have information to add to this. Alex, I don't know how to say his name, Bresowitz, has more on Ray Epps. Epps was texting his nephew, okay, on January the 6th, when he admitted he orchestrated the break-in and that he was at the front. I don't even know how to respond to this kind of stuff, folks, because your government has done nothing to Ray except for covered up Ray Epps and protected him. You want more evidence or information on Ray Epps? Here it is. Back on June 18th, 2021, the Gateway Pundit was first to post on the mysterious Ray Epps and his antics. On the eve of the January 6th protest, a middle-aged man in a MAGA hat, popped up, defended, defended Antifa, and then told everybody they needed to go in. He made demands. This was the night before the Trump rally of over a million patriots. This was the day before Mike Pence stabbed Donald Trump in the back and approved the fraudulent 2020 election results. The Gateway Pundit is defiant or has identified the man as Ray Epps from, quote, Arizona. Epps did an interview with reporters the night of January the 5th after urging the crowd to go into the Capitol the very next day. Epps was later filmed during the massive Trump sign at the Capitol. Epps was also one of the first protesters to charge past the barricades in D.C., Revolver News then later exposed Ray Epps and gave a whole lot more context and made Ray famous. On January 11th, Senator Ted Cruz, I should say 2022, Senator Ted Cruz <clears throat> tried to ask Jill Sanborn about this and get information. Cruz asked the FBI director straightforward questions, and she would not answer any of them. No real answers. All she would say is, I can't answer that. Following the testimony, ladies and gentlemen, a concerned citizen filed FOIA requests from the FBI trying to get the information. As the Gateway Pundit reported earlier, the FOIA requests were denied. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, we have absolute, complete evidence of a government intentional embedding provocateurs to carry out this criminal activity that occurred on January 6th and blame it on all the protesters. Blame it on the Oath Keepers. Now, it turns out that Ray Epps, uh, as far as I understand, was an Oath Keeper for a short time. But we now have learned, because of the testimony regarding our dear friend Stuart Rhodes, we have learned that, you know what, 
there was embedded government agents in the Oath Keepers, in the Proud Boys. So this whole thing is a government setup. You ready for the next quick piece that I have? Are you, you sure? Go for it. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Go for it. Turns out, listen carefully. It turns out that Nancy Pelosi and others now have been exposed. You ready? They intentionally reduced security before the January 6th event. In other words, they intentionally dismantled security or significantly reduced security despite Everybody who cared or who was true blue was calling for greater necessary security. But it turns out that Nancy Pelosi and others dismantled that security. There you have it. There's the updates that we have on the Ray Epps situation, Chris. Well, yeah, that's a pretty comprehensive overview. A lot of it is review. So, you know, it's no surprise to me, but it sounds like there's some additional information. You say he texted his nephew or his cousin. Was it his nephew that he texted? It was and his is nephew there a that he texted. Yeah. There is, there is parts of the text transcript. Remember, texts are very weird. So they've got part of them. That's that gentleman that I named okay. uh, who revealed uh, the, the text information. And again, yep, and let's not then forget. you take text and you run it through Twitter, which is where it was posted. And so it's very... I don't know what you want to call it, piecemealy. Is that a word? Anyway, yeah, it's kind of piecemeal is the problem with all the different. um, I don't know if you know, but most of those kind of things like uh, text, they're called transient communications because you can't rely on being able to keep them or put them in context. And uh, anyway, long story short, that's where we get it from. That's the deal. And let's not forget, Sam, that for six months, he was on the FBI's most wanted list for participants in the January 6th so-called riots. And they mysteriously took him off of that list, giving no explanation as to why. To me, that's a, that's a huge smoking gun. I don't know if that's the biggest smoking gun, but the FBI knew that he had participated, and they uh, willingly, uh, knowingly took him off that list with no explanation. So there are just so many holes with the FBI story, and we need to get to the bottom of it. But inasmuch as people do not hear about this, it does not exist. So we, as um, conscientious reporters, Sam, we need to get the word around to our friends, our family, our neighbors, and just let them know about this. And hopefully if there's enough upsurge among the general public, there will be pressure put on the um, legal letter authorities to do an investigation. But until and unless we do that, this will not exist in the minds of the general populace, Sam, unfortunately. You're right about that. However, again, we can't focus on where this story will not get to. Okay. In other words, uh, I can't worry that 330 plus million Americans won't get this message because I don't control that. All I can focus on is what I have control of myself to do. And I commend Revolver Magazine. I commend the Gateway Pundit. Uh, I commend Joel Skousen's World Affairs Brief. I commend Breitbart. I commend the Epic Times. I commend WND.com. Because you know what? We are all together working on the answers and the solution, which is to tell the truth and to bring this information forward. Now, I agree it's not enough. I agree not a whole lot, sadly, is going to happen. Right? But I also realize that I can only do what I can do. 
right now the January 6th committee now has retreated from its, quote, Trump subpoena stunt. So in the beginning, they wanted to force Trump to testify to try to trap him. We've drawn so much attention to this case now, Chris, meaning all the news organizations and others that I've mentioned, to where now they're backing off. You want to know why? Just like the Ammon Bundy case. Just like the Stuart yeah. Rhodes case. Yep. Just like Too what they're going to do is they're going to back off this thing because they know if we get this much attention and we start digging, 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 as we always do, they are going to get caught with more evidence of their hand in the cookie jar. And so they're going to back off so that it doesn't happen. So they made a big old to-do to attack <clears throat> Donald, which is a shame. And I'm not defending Donald. I'm just defending the truth, okay? But we're starting to really realize the more evidence we bring forward, the more we focus on this story, in other words, the more uh, we run details to fact and ground them in truth, the more we highlight the video that th- this lady found, the more that we uh, put together the timeline as Revolver Mag has done, the more we gather the details as the, as the Gateway Pundit has done, the more we point out that, look, Nancy Pelosi and crew really intentionally got caught reducing security on that day. Uh, The more we begin to put this all in context, the harder it is for them to wiggle out. And so now they're trying to back off and say, well, will the Republicans do any good when they take power in just a couple of days? Um, I don't know. What will they take power on Tuesday, the third? Okay, so not very long. Will they do any good with this? Will they really run things to ground and do what we've done as investigators and reporters in the media? I don't know yet. Time will tell. I doubt they'll do much, but I pray they will. But this is where the rubber meets the road. So even though we're not getting the word out as much as we would like because we don't get any funding, we're just on a thin dime here. Look, I almost fund me and about five people fund almost everything that we do. Okay, I put in most of the money and a few people helped me and I'm grateful for them. Don't misunderstand me, but we can't get the word out more because we just don't have the money. We don't. Okay, but all I'm telling you is we are making a difference and we can only control what we do. And that I will take to the bank and do all within my power. And at the least, it will stand as a record before the judgment bar of Christ of the truth and what we've done to get that truth out and to pull down power. We don't seek for power, folks. We seek to pull it down. My goal is to expose these criminals and prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Why? Because that's what will create a safe America for the future. So I, I get that we're not as effective as we would love to be. I also get that we're doing the very best we can, and God can, uh, and I pray will prosper our efforts, Chris. Yeah, no, you're right. And we, we do what we can, and we don't worry about what we cannot do. But, you know, you talked about the um, Congress backing off on the investigation of January 6th, and they may do that. The thing that they will not back down on unfortunately, is prosecuting those innocent people who are guilty of nothing more than trespassing or um, interrupting an official proceeding or some other jacked up uh, phony charge that's leveled against them, for which they have now been rotting in jail. What is it now? It's it's coming on two years. Yeah, they're not going to back off on that. They're going to continue to persecute and prosecute. Well, they won't prosecute. They don't even want them to be out of jail because they're afraid of what they might say, what they might expose. Anyway, I thought I'd just add that little tidbit of information along with what you just said. Yeah, so this is the most damning piece, in my opinion, of evidence showing the government was involved. Not arresting Ray Epps and all those things are pretty damning themselves. But this one, listen carefully, House GOP. Quote, Pelosi's office directly involved in Jan 6th security. 
And then it goes on to say that House Republicans have uncovered correspondence showing that Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office was directly involved. And she helped craft, or his, her office helped craft the security plan that turned into a big failure on January the 6th. Now, my question to you is, why would the Speaker of the House from California be directly involved in crafting the security plan when Donald Trump's in office? Very strange indeed. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. The Vatican says former Pope Benedict XVI's remains will be on display in St. Peter's Basilica starting Monday following his death today at the age of 95. Benedict became leader of the Catholic Church in 2005 after the death of Pope John Paul II. Although the Catholic Church was rocked by one of the biggest scandals in decades during his papacy, those being the allegations of sexual abuse by priests, Benedict is credited with strengthening the Church's core beliefs and encouraging unity among Christians. The divisions which exist among Christians are scandal to the world and an obstacle to the proclamation of the gospel. His funeral is Thursday in St. Peter's Square. Meanwhile, people all across the nation are reacting to the death of Emmy Award-winning journalist Barbara Walters. One of the first to speak out, Disney CEO Bob Iger, who called Walters a, quote, true legend. Several ABC correspondents have spoken out about her passing, including ABC World News Tonight anchor David Muir and National Affairs correspondent Deborah Roberts, who called Walters a, quote, trailblazer and barrier breaker. Walters, a former ABC Evening News host in the 70s. Even NBA great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar chimed in, thanking Walters for caring about the truth. I'm Ryan Daniels. The mystery appears to have been solved on who was involved in the killings of four Idaho college students. Here's Dave Collins. Police confirm an arrest has been made. The suspect allegedly killed four Idaho college students. Moscow, Idaho Police Chief James Fry. Detectives arrested 28-year-old Brian Christopher Kohlberger in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. The suspect is awaiting extradition on Tuesday, where he'll face numerous charges. Charging the defendant, Mr. Kohlberger, with four counts of first-degree murder, in addition to felony burglary, which involves entering the residence with the intent to commit the crime of murder. That's Prosecutor Bill Thompson. This is USA News. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and money. Mike Kappel here, serial entrepreneur with words from another happy payroll customer. Well, it's very easy to use from the login and the setup was extremely easy. I didn't have to call anyone for help. I was able to do it on my own. And I love the fact that I can run my payroll and print my pay stubs. And then you guys do all of the filing for me. So I get a quarterly report that everything's been filed on my behalf. And then at the end of the year, I can print out my W-2s. So I use you guys. I tell everybody, it's the easiest thing I've ever done. Why anybody doesn't use y'all, I don't know. Visit us at PatriotSoftware.com. Use promo code RADIO and get two months of payroll free. That's PatriotSoftware.com. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and money.
Chris Carlson and Sam Bushman breaking it down just for you live on New Year's Eve day. Is that what you call it? House Republicans have uncovered correspondence showing that Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office helped craft the failed capital security plan in place on January the 6th, ladies and gentlemen. That is very, very damning evidence, especially when they claim that the Republicans uh, were somehow involved. And, you know, I believe Republicans, I believe the deep state was involved. But we now have enough evidence. And since Nancy Pelosi's security was in place, that she blamed it on Donald, they were pointing the finger at Donald, the turret at Donald, the turret at Donald, and now they're basically having to back off because the truth is coming out, folks. Look, the government, Nancy Pelosi's office, was in bed to take down Trump, and so they used provocateurs like Ray Epps, and they did the dirty deed, and now innocent people are in prison. It's a sham, folks. We have got to do something to create accountability in America or these secret combinations will absolutely destroy the nation. Write it down. Remember where you heard it first. All right, anything on that before we move on, Chris? Nope, you covered it pretty thoroughly, Sam. Good job. All right, Elon Musk should now release Slack channels. So, Chris, I don't really have a lot of trust in Elon. I'm glad that he's released what he has about Twitter. I'm grateful for that, but I will say this. You know what? Let's have real transparency. Release all the Slack correspondence. Start naming names. Quit these redactions. Let's take names and prosecute people for their criminal activity. We've got to do that to take down these secret combinations. You've got a January 6th secret combination. You've got a Charlottesville secret combination. You've got a Twitter now uh, and uh, you know government controlling social media secret combination. And we have got to run it all to ground with the truth and create accountability, transparency, and convictions for criminal activity. That is the order of the day. So me, and along with many others, are calling for Elon Musk to release all the Slack channel correspondence, Chris. So, yeah, please inform me. I'm not as technologically informed as you are. Slack channels are like uh, underground uh, communications networks? No, Slack channels are like... um, like instant messenger so slack is an instant messenger service and companies use it you can create a slack channel and you can talk the difference between slack and many others is that slack um, retains the information so that you can keep it and read it and and look up things in it and everything else so it's a super advanced instant messenger is what it is Uh, and don't don't call me you people and tell me it's much more technical than that i know there's a gazillion integrations and plugins and it can be expanded so much further i know all that okay I'm trying to keep it simple for everybody to understand. But it's an instant messenger on steroids. And basically they were using it between the government and Twitter employees, Chris. Yep. Twitter uh, infiltrated employees from the CIA and FBI and NSA. Yeah, and many of them were revolving door employees. And so you had, say, me and you working at the CIA as a comparison. And then you go to Twitter and I stay at the CIA and we're on our Slack channel together still. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm instant messaging you like you're in my building, like you and I are employees together. It's that close of a relationship. Well, they are. They are yeah. CIA employees, Sam. Right, right. <laughs> and they're Twitter employees. They're That's one of right. the same. That's the point. And yeah. so we need to, one, not just get these releases, little blips from Twitter or a little bit. We need to see the real communications, Elon. Let's do it, yeah. buddy. 
take off the gloves. <laughs> but see, I think Elon will release enough to make a scandal, not enough to create accountability and prosecutions. And that's the difference that we're pointing out, Chris. Yeah, see, the thing is, is when they create a scandal, people get the sense that, yeah, we're making progress. Yeah, we're really going to uh, expose the deep state for what it is. But then nothing really materializes that is prosecutable. So it, it in a sense, it advances the cause of the deep state because it gives us a false sense of hope. And we, we need to realize a lot more. You know, if I had a gazillion, I don't know how much uh, Elon Musk is worth. I know it's in the hundreds of billions. I could think of a thousand things more that he could be doing right now than just the little that he is. I mean, he could be creating a, a, an entire network uh, of of information that would in, inform on the deep state, and he's not. I mean, tw- yeah, Twitter, when I take, suppose. When we take over suppose. Twitter, when we have Mike Lindell's new network, and we have Donald Trump's new network, and we have all the guys that I've mentioned, World Net Daily, the Gateway Pundit, Liberty Roundtable Live, and we have all of our groups – if we could all unite, we could we could absolutely destroy the mainstream press. The problem is you can't yeah. get everybody to unite on anything, Chris, hardly. No, that, that's why you need to have a powerful central figure like Don, Donald Trump for four years was. But he never uh, utilized the platform that he was given for four years to articulate principles and to expose the, the major, major uh, egregious offenses of the deep state. I mean, he exposed things here and there. You know, little things that weren't even prosecutable. And again, like I said, and it bears repeating, what it does, it, it gives us a false sense of hope, a false sense that we're advancing the ball when in fact we're not, because none of those things are really the big issues, like the monetary system, um, like uh, the, the control of the communications networks, um, like control of big oil. We could go on and on. Those are the big issues that really need to be tackled in order to re- really create change. Uh, Donald Trump never never addressed that, and um, Elon Musk is not going to address that through Twitter. He's just going to do the little things here and there that are unprosecutable. Yeah, that is, in my opinion, the quintessential problem, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that is the deal, right? That is the quint- quintessential point. <clears throat> That's the problem. All right. But you know what? Um, The House Ways and Means Committee just released six years of Donald Trump's tax returns uh, after a, quote, years-long legal battle to whatever, stop it, and all this kind of stuff. Now, that's their claim. They say Trump reacts to the release of his tax returns, claims that they have now weaponized his financial records, and he warns of a dangerous two-way street. All right. Now, voters... According to a poll, want Republicans to release tax returns of Democrats who voted to release Trump's. Now, I get the battle, Chris. <clears throat> I yeah, get the but debate. It's a pointless but issue. Let me tell it's you the problem. Issue. Yeah. Here's the yeah. problem Donald should have uh-huh. ended. Let me say this again yeah. Donald should yeah. have ended the IR. S. When he had the chance as president, mm-hmm. he could have said this is unconstitutional. We're ending the agency. Every one of you people are fired. I run the executive branch here, and we're not going to operate this way. The chief executive yeah. of the country is the great operations manager of the country. We're not doing this. Congress, it's unconstitutional. Nope. You're all fired. Go home. Now, Congress, if you need to make up the money, you can go look at your supreme law and figure out how to do this legally and lawfully. 
and I submit, a.k.a. tariffs at the borders and apportionment taxes are your only real constitutional avenues. Now, Congress, get to work. The rest of you criminals, go home. Okay, but Donald did nothing. And therefore, the IRS came back to bite him. And now they're using the IRS as a weapon as they play ping pong. The Republicans and the Democrats. Well, you released mine. I'm going to release yours. Show me yours. I'll show you mine. And this stupid game that gets nothing done except for titillates the public in, quote, reality theater, if you will. It is bogus and a disgrace on all counts, Chris. Yeah, and I'll do you one better, Sam. Not that, you know, you didn't articulate truth to power just there. But Donald Trump would would not have had to have abolished the IRS. He would have only had to have acknowledged that it is an an illegitimate organization, that it never existed legitimately under the Constitution. But to do that, in order to get away with that, Sam, the thing you have to do is you have to articulate constitutional principles to the general populace in fireside chats. You need to educate first, and then once people are educated on why – the founding fathers never allowed for an institution such as the IRS, then you could go ahead and with the support of the general populace, and only after you get the general support of the populace on the grassroots level, then you could have proceeded to abolish it. And it would have been such, so much more easy once the people were informed as to why this is a burden upon the backs of the working man and woman in this country. You see how yeah, the, the, the difference is you would you would take you would articulate it and then you would abolish it. I would abolish it and then in the debate surrounding it articulate it. Yeah, either way, it doesn't matter. And the only reason I would do it that way is because if you're not very careful, unless you dismantle the agency you abolish, they will have some way to come after you. The less government people that are there as you take them down, the better. So fire them first. Get the details out second. If you get the details out first, they might take you down before you can fire yeah. them. Yeah, either way. I I get your point, but I I want to make it very clear. That's part of Donald's problem. Every time he did something, the minions would uh, basically clap back at him in a way that would stop him. Okay? For example, the EPA and all these other environmental crap. Okay, look, all you had to do was shut down the unconstitutional agency, get rid of them, fire them, and now debate the discussion without those people employed, without those people getting paychecks, Mm -hmm. without those people basically having government resources uh, to attack you and abuse you. And, okay, so we, we've got to dismantle this thing. We've got to be noble, bold, and independent about it. And you don't attack the IRS and then say we're going to get rid of you and then give them a chance with all the government resources to blow back to you first. You get rid of them and say, now you don't have any government resources and you're gone. All 100,000 of you thugs. Now we're saving tons of money and you don't have government resources to come back to me and, and attack me or cause me problems because you're gone. So I know well, it sounds think- like a little semantic discussion, but it's important to understand, right? Yeah, and, and as long as you're going to do that, you might want to start with the Federal Reserve System because that's the the um, granddaddy of them all, as it were. You got to you got to take back control, and again, you have to uh, articulate the reasons why to the American people. And the American people, for the most part, if you I don't I don't mean to say dumb it down, but but if you simplify it in terms that the average individual can understand, I think they would get on board with the president in such a move. But you have to you, you might want to bring on um, a panel of experts to make it uh, appear and sound more authoritative. And there are a lot of things you can do to make it official, but you can do it. And it doesn't take that much of an educational process to convince the people and to bring them over to your side. 
but you you got to at least try. And he didn't even try. He didn't mutter a word about the Federal Reserve System or the IRS or the EPA, as you've mentioned. That's right. He complained and, a lot uh, about the IRS, but nothing about the reality of it relating to the Constitution. Let me give you a, a case in point to make this point here. All these tech agencies supposedly are losing tons of money. Headline, they say Twitter value marked down 56%. Whoa. Now, then they try to attack Twitter, but here's what Elon did. He removed a ton of people first day, right when he got there. He got rid of a ton of these thugs. And if he didn't, they would have a lot of strength to come back at him. But now, here's what they're left to say. You ready? Employees mm-hmm. are using their own toilet paper. Offices stink after the janitors are cut. That's all they can say oh my God. to Elon. Okay? Really? But here's my response. Here's my response oh my to you employees at Twitter. If your bathroom is horrible and you know that Elon, your boss, is trying to preserve your job and keep you aboard and keep the organization afloat and everything else, why don't you clean the bathroom? Why don't you just yeah. make an inter-office discussion and say, listen, we've got these 25 teams that use this bathroom or whatever it is, uh, or this building or this floor. They supposedly reduced from six floors to two. And uh, so all you got to do is work with your office mates and say, hey, man, this thing, this, we don't have janitors. We're going to talk to Elon or, you know, push our concerns up the ranks in time. But in the meantime, I can't stand it. Neither can you. Why don't we just take turns and clean the restrooms? I've been at businesses that have cut janitorial staff before, and that's what we did. So why are we hearing in the mainstream press that you got to bring in your own teepee and that, man, the whole, you know, um, offices stink and everything else? Look, take some personal responsibility, people. Come on now. But, see, that's all they can say to the Donald because everybody else is gone. See? Now, it turns out that Facebook is minus 64% and Google is minus 39%. So they're losing money big time. And the question is, how severe will the recession be, Chris? Yeah, I I think we're all, I think we're entering into a major recession at this point. I think 2023 uh, will not be as bad as 2022. It'll be worse. I know that's kind of a play on words. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, these these are wicked companies. They deserve to go down. But I'm not worried about them um, as far as our portfolios are concerned, or or their financial uh, sustainabilities are concerned, because they're getting money from the deep state, whether they uh, create value for their customer base or not. And that's the thing about the deep state is they have this infusion of cash all the time from sources that we are not aware of. Well, we we are aware of them. It's called the Federal Reserve System, and they they have no oversight. Uh, they they control themselves. We don't know where their money comes from. You, have you ever wondered where George Soros's billions of dollars comes from? Do you think he's just such a savvy investor that he makes all that money? Well, no. and you look at this George Santos guy that just got exposed for all these lies and just got elected to the Republican Party committing vote fraud. The re- Republicans don't seem to care now, but this guy got elected, giving them their quote slim majority. This guy's an absolute serial liar. And the fact is, in 2011, or I, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, he had no money, then all of a sudden he comes out of the woodwork with like eleven million dollars two years later. Where does all this yeah. money come from? Well, you got to trace the money trail, but no one's able to, or willing to do that, right? Yeah, um, and Sam Bankman-Fried, where did he get all his money for all of his investments? Was it just pure fraud? No, it wasn't pure fraud. Nobody, nobody invested. Well, in look, a company Sam Fried met has... with the White House in four key meetings in twenty twenty two alone. Of course, of course, yeah. Exactly. Um, people need to understand, once you get rid of the money problem, all the other problems will eventually go away. 
Now, I'm not saying that people are going to automatically become righteous overnight, but Satan will have lost a significant amount of his power because through money is power and vice versa. And at least we stand a chance because then we live in a meritocracy where righteous behavior is merited and unrighteous behavior is not. But now we have a system whereby because of the control of the creation of money out of thin air through the Federal Reserve System, we have people that are doing wicked things who are being rewarded for it. And as long as you have a system like that, you're going to get more evil. And that's the root of our problem at this point. Not that we couldn't overcome it. Go ahead. There's so many things to focus on. It's hard to know what the Republicans will do. Here's Rand, Senator Rand Paul's latest email to me. uh, Came in just this morning, says this, quote, first up, holding Fauci accountable. Do you think that should be the most important thing we kick off in 2023, Chris? Well, it's not going to happen. That's Rand Paul, did you say? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, that's certainly a big issue. I would certainly lie. I mean, you, if you read his book, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci, which I have, not the whole thing, but enough yeah, to know. that's not Rand's that book. That's somebody serious. else's book, right? Yeah, that's um, that's Robert Kennedy Robert Jr.'s book. Kennedy, yeah. And we discussed it on the show. Well, no, I mean, that. I would say, like I said before, Sam, the place to start is, is – the ability to create money out of nothing. And then all these other people, you know, their fruit would dry on the vine like ripe fruit in the hot uh, sun. But yeah, yeah, we should prosecute Anthony Fauci. He's a multi-murderer. There's no question in my mind about it. Yeah, I bring that up Uh, because it is a target-rich environment. You know, do you work on the January 6th thing and all that scandal? Do you work on Anthony Fauci and that scandal? You know, what do you work on and spend your time on if you're the Republican leadership? And I agree with Chris, the Federal Reserve is one of the key issues. But you know what? None of these issues can solve the problem if we don't return to morality and religion within the people. Uh, look, George Washington highlighted that as the two fundamental necessities. you got to avoid foreign entanglements like the plague, so no wars, unless, you know, you got to defend America. And you got to jettison partisan politics, get rid of parties. Those are the two evils George warned about. And then the two strengths that he said you got to have is morality and religion. So jettison wars, jettison parties, embrace morality and religion. Uh, if you don't do that, you don't have a chance, Chris. I hate to tell you that, but it's true. No, you're right. No, and so it's kind of a chicken and an egg type of story. Do you get rid of the Federal Reserve so that people um, are rewarded for righteousness, or do you just uh, focus on the righteousness of the people so that they will eventually gain enough discernment to realize the hoax that's being perpetrated on the general populace. I do both. I basically abolish the Federal Reserve and then I educate about morality and religion and the rejection of partisan politics uh, and foreign wars. I do both or all four, five items simultaneously. (laughs) Yep. No, you're right. You're right. It's not an either or proposition. You want some good news before the end of the hour, at least somewhat good news? (laughs) Good news? Yeah, man, a federal judge ruled that New York's ban on concealed carry weapons in churches is unconstitutional. That's according to court documents. Judge John Sinatra is his name. He's of the, quote, Western District of New York, found that the state's Conceal Carry, quote, Improvement Act, they call it a um, CCIA, is I guess what that thing's called, is unconstitutional. Why? Because it violates worshippers' 
gun rights and hinders the free exercise of religious beliefs. That's according to the preliminary injunction, ladies and gentlemen. Now, to me, that is one piece of good news. And when we fight back, when we stand up, good things happen, Chris. Well, that sounds good on its surface, but churches are private organizations. Don't they have the right to prohibit whoever or whatever they uh, choose in their private, private property? Yes, they do, but they're not saying that. What they're saying is the government can't control it. It's unconstitutional for the government to prohibit it. Now, no one's saying that a oh, church yeah, can't tell you that if they want to. Okay. That isn't the discussion. Oh, okay. Let me say this again so you guys understand. A federal judge ruled that this, quote, uh, what do they call this thing? The uh, ban. Let me get the word. The government ban on concealed carry weapons in churches is unconstitutional. That doesn't mean a church can't say what they want with their private property. Okay. That's a separate discussion, and your point's well taken. But yeah, I'm telling you, the government can't the, do it according to this judge. No, I can't. The government, because of the Second Amendment, which, as I last time I checked, is still in my Constitution. <laughs> um, well, in the First Amendment, the, my, the free exercise of my religion as well. See? There you go. Yep. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, that is some good news, Sam. And Because one of, of my First Amendment news? beliefs are that I believe we have a right to preserve and protect life, and the Second Amendment is the way I choose to do that. Uh, a government can't stop me from doing that. Now, the, the church says, Sam, you can't come in here with a gun. They have every right on their private property. And then I can decide to go to church there and leave my gun behind. Or I can decide not to go at all. Or I can decide to go to a church that will allow me to have my First Amendment and Second Amendment rights intact, right? So exactly. I, I agree that when you get conflicting, you know, property rights uh, versus, you know, free association slash uh, free exercise of religion slash Second Amendment rights. You know, I agree that sometimes those things clash. And when they clash, we need to be wise enough to say, hey, let the church say you can't go in if they want to. It's their private property. But let the individual then decide, I will either leave my gun behind and go to that church if I love you and believe you're whatever, or I'll go somewhere else, or I'll do. Look, freedom, it rings when we understand it. It rings when we apply it properly. And so I, all I can say is I commend this federal judge. He's right. Oh, good for him. That is some good news. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't believe that there was any good news left out there, but there is. And, and well, we will you got to hunt for it, folks. It's so hard to find. Yep. But there is good news. I'll tell you the other piece of good news. There is a lot of great news organizations on tap now in 2023. You know, when I started, there was very few of us, Chris. It was like me, World oh, Net yeah. Daily, and Alex Jones, and that was about it. Now you've got us and World Net Daily and the Gateway Pundit and you've got Breitbart and you've got the Epic Times and you've got a lot of people doing a lot of good work. G. Edward Griffin's um, News Now organization or whatever you want to call it. There's just so many people bringing up the news. I look at it and I go, wow, there's a lot of news out there that's really, um, we wouldn't even be hearing about it. We wouldn't even be hearing about a lot of these things. It used to be I had to dig, 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 dig for news that took me so long. Now it's to the point where, man, I get so much news pushed to me, I've got to just choose uh, which news I think is worthy of focus. It's a completely different world than when I started, Chris. And that is a great piece of news to the end of the year, if you will. 
Yeah, it is good. It is good news. It's good to know that there are other people in this world that share my values, that share my discernment of, um, you know, the direction that we're headed. We need to wake up to our awful situation. A lot of people are, and I know a lot of those people, and I'm very grateful to know you, Sam, as one of those. Scott Bradley, uh, Lowell Nelson, and people of like mind. I'm glad that I live in a community where there are enough people like that for me to associate with, to where I am not all alone out here in this wilderness, (laughs) wilderness of lies and deceptions. Have you ever heard of the Good News Network, for instance? No, never. All right, they did not exist when I started. Goodnewsnetwork.org is their website. And you know what? They do a lot of good work. They bring up a lot of very interesting good news. Do we have enough yet? No. But these guys, you know, talk about on this day in history. All right. And they talk about on December 31st, what's the good news? Five years ago today, China banned the importation and sale of ivory. Anyway, they keep going on and on. Um, it's not really a website that I totally support because they, you know, they deal with horoscopes and a lot of the different things that they think are good news, I think is, you know, average news. But I look at it and go, at least it's somebody trying. Now, they may not agree with, I might not agree with the things they call good news because I think they're socialist, many of them. So let me give you an example. A headline says this. Kansas City gives jobs to its most vulnerable residents, and then housing soon followed. Well, I don't think that's great news because I don't really want the government giving people more jobs. But you know what? At least they're trying to focus on good news. But here's the point again. The liberals put up a good news site, but the conservatives do nothing, Chris. Do you got well, a conservative good news site? No, you don't, because no one has the guts, the integrity, oh, the see. funding, the willingness to get it done. That's why we don't. But the no. liberals do. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little bit of good news with a knife yeah, in your back, huh? We don't want to promote Pollyannaism. I mean, That's we right. want to be realistic. We want yeah, to be but optimistic. The Pollyannas are the only ones to build a news site, Chris, so there you go. God save the right. republic. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, this is New Year's Eve day, January 31st in the year of our Lord, 2022. We are live. The supreme law of the land, the Constitution is our guide. The checks and balances are brilliant and one of the great solutions. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration. And most importantly, we stand with God, family, and country. Chris Carlson with me for the two-hour bonanza, ladies and gentlemen. Hard-hitting talk always at your fingertips. And uh, we want to talk about year-end in review. Joel Skousen, worldaffairsbrief.com, put out his year-end 
review. We want to do the same. He calls his nation in decline. Sadly, we agree, Chris. Yep, nation in decline. And he doesn't have a whole lot of um, positive news for us going into the new year. Although I don't want to characterize Joel Skousen as a pessimist so much as as an op- not uh, not an optimist either, but well an optimist, but more of a pragmatist. Let's put it that way. He's 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 like you and me, Sam. He's not naive to the reality of what is happening to us, but on the same point, he's not going to try to to paint a rosy picture because I think we're we're all the righteous, the wicked, and everybody in between. We're about ready to pass through the tribulation that was uh, reported in the scriptures, specifically in Matthew 24. Um, of the New Testament, but um, he talks about our nation is in decline, and that is very obviously evident, and I would concur with that. Uh, but he does talk about the fact that last year Roe versus Wade was overturned. That was a good thing. There were some gun restrictions that were overturned as well, and he talks about a beleaguered Christian baker, which I'm not exactly sure what that was. Um, but anyway, he, he says that there, there are some bright spots, you know, but don't get overly optimistic. In, in regards to those bright spots, I say, as I said last hour, uh, sometimes those small victories can serve to advance the globalist agenda because they give us a, a sense of false hope. And I hope that people don't get complacent just because they see a few successes here and there, Sam. We still need to be vigilant. We still need to, to prepare. Talk about preparation a little later, hopefully if we get to that. Um but he says, you know, continue to prepare. There's still a window of opportunity. In fact, his son, uh, Andrew Scales, and he did a, does a segment at the end of the World Affairs Brief that is a weekly newsletter that Joel sends out that we've talked about many, many times. He talks about there being still a window of about four years of opportunity going into the future where we can still get our food storage, still get our preparations in order. And I think that's optimistic. I think that's hopeful. And that's something that, of course, you and I have been doing for a lot longer than, you know, just recently. Um, I've been doing it for 22 years. But anyway, let's talk about uh, the end of your review. Uh, He talks about these were narrow victories, the ones I just mentioned. But, you know, the future is not going to be any better. In fact, it'll it'll be worse. He talks about there are no winning strategies when so many people have become corrupted by irrational and evil schemes that combine that combined with vote fraud. So that uh, one-two punch whammy um, does not bode well for conservatives in this in this country uh, because of the vote fraud issue and because we have degenerated. Even conservatives have degenerated. Look at what Donald Trump and Katie, not Katie, Carrie uh, Lake did recently at Mar-a-Lago. Are you aware of the? Um, the, the promotion of homosexuality that they, um, the little Sadly, party they I had am, in sir. So, you know, those are supposed to be our standard bearers. Um, you know, one in Arizona and one over the nation. Nah, not my standard bearers. So, I mean, even conservatives are, are falling into this trap of tolerance. And the only group now in, in this country, Sam, that I see that is not tolerated are white male Christians. Uh, and, that, and he talks about that extensively. Uh, and then I talk about, you know, the point we're at to where we have basically abandoned Christian principles. I say the problem is that we have fallen from grace and that we don't even know it. See, it's one thing if you know that you're in a sinful state. It's another when you believe that you're doing just fine when in fact you're not, Sam. And that's the problem because the first 
step to reformation is acknowledging that you have a problem. But if you don't ever get to that step, then you'll never get to the next steps. Um, yeah, that's there, for sure. We, people, talk, we talk about true conservatives have fought battles this year, and they have won against impossible odds in the repeal of Roe versus Wade. You know what? Striking down some of the restrictions. You know what? And focusing on a beleaguered Christian baker and helping him. But we're still losing the war, folks. Look, I appreciate that we got Roe versus Wade overturned. It's better than not overturning it. But now they literally are doubling down and moving abortions to pills that they send across state lines. Uh, abortion medication, whatever you want to call it, death pills. Um, yeah. They're now literally having states stand up and codify abortion. They've now codified marriage at the federal level, perverted marriage, which means abortion and everything resulting from those, quote, perverted marriages uh, downstream will eventually be included. So on one hand, they gave us a little win. But I submit to you that that win is short-lived because the American people are not moral enough or religious enough to stand up. It's a good win. I'm not doubting the win. I'm grateful for it. But look, even the states that are supposedly pro-life, are struggling to stay pro-life right now because yeah, the American like people have been deceived for decades over this battle, and they've been pro um, propagandized and manipulated into believing things that aren't true. We're talking about intellectual corruption, Chris. Yeah, intellectual corruption, spiritual degeneration. And he does talk about the churches, um, including the one that you and I belong to, Sam, um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He, he says that most people are followers of leaders in business, entertainment, news networks, universities, and even churches. And those churches have fallen headlong into soft thinking. Think about that, soft thinking. And, and I concur with him 100% on that. Um, the, he says, goes on to say, the dangerous agendas promoted nonstop by the establishment are being embraced by these soft thinking churches. And then I add to that, even the Christian churches, as Joel points out, are off track. Sin, it seems, has become, it's almost as if sin is a virtue nowadays, Sam. I don't know if you've noticed this. It's almost like it's a stepping stone towards feeling the Savior's love. You know, you have to sin in order to, to receive that forgiveness, which, you know, they nowadays in the churches, they say comes free. You know, it, it's, it's what he, he died for on the cross so that he could extend his love to us. So it's almost as if, we embrace sin because we know that then we can feel Jesus's love and forgiveness as a result. And instead of trying to avoid it like the plague, we're actually almost embracing it. Does that, does that seem to be your perception as well, Sam? I think that's true. We also kind of have this idea that sin is a relative discussion. It's not really defined by God. It's defined by the churches, the leadership, or we, or whatever. And we seem to justify our sin before God. And we justify our sin by pretending that it's okay because. Let me give you an example. I can promote gay and lesbian, bisexual, transgender, whatever agenda. Because you know what? I need to be kind. Jesus told me to be kind. I got to be mm -hmm. kind and loving and gentle and patient and forgiving and respectful and and so all these things require that I back gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. Uh, okay, now that's the lie, see? But I've fallen for that lie and justified my sin, justified backing that behavior uh, almost at the altar of God, um, suggesting that that's the better, the more righteous way than if I were to reject 
gay, lesbian, bisexual. Tra- See, if I reject it, then I'm kind of a hard, evil. Hard, yeah. You're the bad Christian. guy. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. And so, see, following God directly is the bad guy mode. Following God yep. in a perverted, justifiable, relativism way is the only way. And that's where then the tolerance ends. We're tolerant in any road to sin. We've got to be kind and loving and patient. But the real road that God set forward, if you're on that road, you're the enemy. And so that's how they've backed into this dishonesty. And many, many, many people have fallen for these lies. It started back in the 1960s in the universities. The churches are kind of Johnny-come-latelys to this psychotic view, Chris. Yeah. And, and, it, and if, you know, if you call people out, not that I call people out necessarily, it's not my position to judge, but, you know, as a friend and people and a person who loves humanity, Sam, um, I'm very concerned about the level of sin. But if you call people out, they say, oh, he, he who is without sin cast the first stone. They love that scripture. And I believe that if we understood the context of that scripture when Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone, we will probably have a little different perspective on that. Because one of the most loving things you can do is call people out on their bad behavior, Sam. Because you're Yeah, really so I'm going to I'm gonna call Chris out a little bit and make a point here, folks, just to be real. Ready? Sorry, Chris, I got to do this, but I will. And here's Uh-oh. why. Uh-oh. Chris says, I don't want to judge. I don't judge. It's not my place to judge. We've been... We've been told that lie long enough as well. It's true I shouldn't judge Chris Carlson's heart. And it's true that I shouldn't judge Chris Carlson's behavior because I don't know what drives that behavior. However, I have every obligation, every need to judge based on principle. So let me give you an example. Say there's a gay man over here. I shouldn't beat up this gay man and be mean and abusive and unkind to this person in any way. I should realize he's a son of God, and I should be kind to him and be gentle and patient and respectful and neighborly, and I should use my influence to change his views over time. And if I can't change his views, at least have him realize there's a healthy respect for my views and my position as well. Just because I disagree, you can skip the rake, please. Just because... I have a different view from him. I'm not the bad guy in the room, and I can help him understand that. So I need to do those things. That does not mean that I need to capitulate on the gay issue. I think it's a sin against God, and I can maintain that view and still be a kind person. But see, when we say we can't judge him, I'm not judging him. I'm just telling you that his lifestyle is a sin against God, and I have every right to hold on to that belief. That doesn't mean that I judged him, okay? It means that I have every right to stick to principle, and I must judge what's right and wrong based on principle. That doesn't mean that I need to say he's evil. I can believe he's sinning. I can believe he's mixed up. I can believe he's wrong. But I can also be kind and gentle, and and I can be Christian about it. But I can also cling to my beliefs, and we've fallen for the lie that I've got to somehow let go of those beliefs. See, I can't judge anymore. I can't even judge between right and wrong anymore, Chris, because if I do, I'm the bigot in the room. See, this is the lie we've fallen for. I don't need to judge Chris's heart. I can just tell you, um, or this gay person or whoever, and I'm using Chris not as the gay person. I'm using Chris as another example. Two people. I don't need to judge their hearts and criticize their behavior as much as I can talk about principles. Okay? And I want to be on the right side of principles. And I have a duty 
to judge the principle so that I can yes. be on the right side of it. Okay, and if I don't, I have lost the battle and I will never win because now I'm in the, the sea of relativism. And anything I say can and will be used against me. See? So, hey, whoever uh, cast the first stone. The, okay, wait a minute. I'm not casting any stones. Stop. I'm telling you that God says the gay lifestyle is immoral. And until recent days, it's been illegal. And I stand with that traditional value. I'm not casting a stone against anybody. But I have the God-ordained responsibility to judge and to make decisions and to act according to my beliefs. And I can be true to that and still be a moral, honest, kind, respectful Christian. And they want you to believe that's impossible. And I'm telling you now, that is a lie. Chris? Yeah, and not out of hate, not out of uh, self-righteousness, but out of love. It, as long as it's born of love, you're doing that person a favor. You're not doing him a favor or her by condoning and embracing and celebrating. And that's what they want us to do because they know in the backs of their minds, Sam, and their, their whatever conscience they may have left. And I'm not saying they don't have consciences. I don't mean to be mean. But they know in the backs of their minds that what they're engaging in is sinful and that they would be much happier if they could overcome the, their proclivity towards that behavior. And maybe they're just waiting for somebody to come along and support them in their conscience in that way to, to call them out. They, maybe they just need a little boost, and we can be those. And if we're not, if we're too afraid to, I mean, we might be responsible for them losing their eternal souls as a result. We need to be very loving, very kind, uh, and we can be, do so. We can call people out in a kind, loving way. If we, you know, are guided by God's spirit. And, and I, All I right, try so to understand this, ladies and gentlemen, beginning in the 1960s, the student led left at universities became synonymous with free love and moral abandonment. Homosexuality was still mostly in the closet then, but now it's come out. Okay, it's fully out in your face. It's out in the open. And anytime you even stand against it, you're the bad guy. It is being promoted to ever younger and younger age children, and they're being first, quote, groomed to challenge their innate genders. They are then enticed into more deviant and deviant behavior and practices, okay? As they grow up, that's what happens. This is happening. Now, we're fast becoming a Sodom and Gomorrah society, ripe for destruction, ladies and gentlemen. And there's a growing satanic component involved in this. All right, now, if I bring this to your attention, am I the bad guy? Or am I the one standing with God's law? See, I don't make God's law. That's the problem people need to understand. I don't make that law. I can either obey it, understand it, teach it, follow it, or turn my back on it. That is my agency. And everyone has that same dividing reality. Will you embrace it? Will you make excuses for it, or will you stand with God's law? Okay, immorality of any type, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't come without chronic violations of the promptings and warnings of your conscience. God put your conscience there for a reason. Let's talk about the end result of that when you violate your conscience over and over, Chris. Yeah, those promptings become weaker and weaker, and that's the problem with society at large. We've... Not only when you engage in such sinful activities, but when you celebrate and embrace those activities, 
your discernment becomes weaker and weaker and weaker because you reject then those promptings from God's Holy Spirit. And not only do you make bad decisions as far as, um, you know, social issues like homosexuality, transgenderism, uh, whatever. I mean, your, your ability to make a good righteous decisions in general then becomes compromised. And that's the point that Joel Skousen continually tries to, to get across to his readers. And um, he, he talked extensively on that uh, during his, well, I, I guess this is his end of um, year review as far as the world affairs brief, but when he uh, gave us a, a verbal address of, about a month ago, he talked extensively on conscience and how we need to cultivate the ability to be super sensitive to that little voice in our head that says this is not right and not allow peer pressure to override it, which most people today are allowing to happen. Okay, so understand, ladies and gentlemen, that's why we have so many melting down marriages and divorces and uh, families melting down and falling apart. Because when you deny God's guidance in your life, when you have chronic violations of your conscience by ignoring it, and on this altar of being kind and loving and a big tent and whatever words you want to use to describe this dishonest foray into immorality, I say dishonest because, look, to be kind, i got to be immoral. To be loving and patient, to follow the attributes of Jesus Christ, I have to jettison other fundamental principles. See, that's, that doesn't work. But that's the problem. And that's the reason that we're having trouble making average decisions about marriage, life, fidelity. It's a national problem and the loss of blessings and protection from God that we normally and used to have. We used to enjoy that in this nation, right? Now we're losing that, all right? We used to be the beacon of goodness and liberty and righteousness, and, and, and it used, we used to be able to hold that moral high road. Now we're abandoning it. God is a God of laws, Chris. Yes, that's, that's something that we need to understand. We've tried to create God in our image. But, you know, God is created in, in the image of his own righteousness, which not even he can violate. He cannot violate his own laws, nor would he. So I say that God is a God of laws. Even he cannot override his own laws because it is contrary to his nature and contrary to our happiness, by the way. Because men choose to obey or to disobey, rather, God's law, they must, in God's mercy, suffer the consequences of their own choices. This is an indispensable element of his great plan of happiness for his children. Since I was old enough to remember, Sam, I have witnessed the withdrawal of God's spirit from this once great nation. The spirit of God will not always strive with man. That's scriptural. And when God's spirit is sufficiently withdrawn from our land, and history bears this out, I can give you account after account where when people uh, got to a certain point of unrighteousness, God's spirit withdrew from that society at large. And men were, men were turned, when women, for that matter, were turned over to their own carnal nature to the point where societal order breaks down. And we're going to see that probably in our lifetime, Sam. Um, that's why we're, we, we're going to talk about uh, preparedness, not only spiritual, but material. We need to be material. Well, it's a freight train gaining speed, ladies and gentlemen. I know we might see it in our lifetime, but we're starting to see it now. When we literally have abortion yeah. for literally over 50 years and we murder over 60 million babies. And then we stop it. What a wonderful blessing. But then every wicked agent 
is out there to make sure that we continue. Okay? When men choose to disobey God's laws, they must, in God's mercy, suffer the consequences of their own choices. Look, you're going to have this problem. We now have openly said we promote, even the churches, gay marriage. Well, once you promote gay marriage, how do you not promote transgender marriage? Well, once you promote, okay, folks, the Spirit of God will leave when you do this. All right? It's religious corruption. All of the mainstream or large denominations of churches, Christian churches, I might add, went along with this Gay Marriage Act, folks. And they, you know, they think they're going to be protected because they put a couple of things in the bill that made them feel like, okay, we can support this. What they've done, though, is, again, they violated this principle that I'm teaching. You cannot get righteousness by embracing evil. Chris? Yep, and I include the church to which we are both members, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to that, that list of churches that, that thought that they were um, gaining some protection from backing the Respect for Marriage Act, which— Joel Skousen calls the Respect for Gay Marriage Act. And uh, he says, evil is never satisfied with tolerance. People think that, that if they tolerate a little evil, then, you know, evil will tolerate them. No, uh, evil does not tolerate one minute degree of righteousness. Once it gains ground, a little ground, it'll gain more ground and more ground until it completely and totally dominates um, good Christian religion. And I say to that, tyrants do not react to weakness. As Joel Salzman said, evil is never satisfied with tolerance. One thing that these weak need leaders, and I call them weak lead leaders because I'm calling them out, of our churches are going to discover the hard way is that there is no security in capitulation to evil. When are these fools going to stop offending God and start offending men? We, they don't want to offend men because men are, are you know, the people with whom they have to live on a day-to-day basis. But we have to live with God in the eternities you know, if we're so lucky as to are so fortunate as to be able to live with him. And if, if we are afraid of offending men more than God, Sam, I'm afraid that uh, God's probably not going to want us to be in his presence because we chose uh, mammon over his righteousness. And, well, and uh, that's the very point I'm making when we embrace this relativism or we believe that we've got to jettison our beliefs, uh, jettison God's laws. I don't make the laws. I only have the choice what I do with them, embrace them or not. Okay, and when we choose not to embrace God's law or stand up for God's law, I'm telling you right now, we don't have God's protection. And I, for one, want to stand up for God's law. The gay gentleman over there, he can be my best friend. He can be a nice guy. He can be a kind person. He can be, in, in, but I don't have to agree with that belief. And I don't have to pretend to him that I believe that. He can understand that I disagree. He can understand yeah. that I think it's sin and that it's immoral and that it's wrong. And he can understand that I'm sad about his choices of lifestyle. I can still be neighborly. I can still be kind. I can still feed him when he's hungry, clothe him when he's naked. I can still treat him like a child of God that he is. But I don't have to embrace his beliefs. We need to learn this, ladies and gentlemen. Quick pause. we got a lot more in seconds on your radio. the land you're listening to liberty news radio
USA News. I'm Jeremy Scott. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI has passed away at the age of 95. This comes a week after Pope Francis said the former pope was very sick and asked followers to pray for him. Tyler Kuehl reports. Benedict's papacy began in 2005 following the death of John Paul II. In 2013, Benedict shocked the world by making the almost unprecedented decision to resign from his position, citing, quote, advanced age. So for me, it was a joy to walk with you over the past few years in the light of the presence of the Lord. We lived with faith, very beautiful moments of radiant light. Benedict's announcement marked the first time that a pope had stepped down in nearly six years. Colleagues are remembering trailblazing broadcaster Barbara Walters, who died Friday at the age of 93. Her former View co-host Elizabeth Hasselbeck called Walters a valuable friend and mentor. I'm just thankful for her. Um, my heart is just broken. Walters started The View in 1997 as a daytime talk show just for women after breaking the glass ceiling in broadcast news as the first woman to co-host both a morning and evening national newscast. A suspect linked to last month's fatal stabbings of four University of Idaho students is awaiting extradition in Pennsylvania. 28-year-old Brian Koberger was arrested on Friday and is being held without bond. He's facing four counts of first-degree murder. An extradition hearing is scheduled for Tuesday. All eyes in sports are on college football. Tim Berg is in Glendale, Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl. The TCU Horn Frogs are set to play the Michigan Wolverines today in the Fiesta Bowl as the college football playoffs begin. Kickoff in Arizona set for just after 4 p.m. Eastern time. Temperatures are expected to be in the mid-60s with partly cloudy skies at kickoff. Reporting from Glendale, Arizona, I'm Tim Berg, USA News. Then it's the Peach Bowl, number one Georgia, number four Ohio State at 8 p.m. Eastern, USA News. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give perfectly aged, tender, delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have curated special gift packages to take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide. Plus, use code TREAT at checkout to get an additional $40 off your order. Send an assortment of mouth-watering favorites guaranteed to impress, like the legendary Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra Juicy burgers, even easy to prepare, ready in a flash comfort meals. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com, get 50% off site wide, plus use promo code TREAT at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Ladies and gentlemen, speaking of religious corruption and all the mainstream or large denominations doubling down in defense of homosexual marriage, shame on them all in my humble opinion, to which I'm entitled, but it's especially egregious. Uh, But the Catholic Church is kind of duplicitous on this. Uh, Depending on the person, they have very different responses, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we used to think of the Catholic Church as being a bastion of uh, pro-life. Promotion. Uh, it is no longer that. Case. That is no longer the case. So Steve Wood, the president of Family Life Center International, wrote to, to um, Joel Skousen, and here's the letter that he wrote. Now this is about an individual who was an FR. There's an abbreviation FR. I'm going to call him Father. It may be a friar. It's anyway. It's a priesthood title. 
So this uh, individual who is uh, in a position of authority in the Catholic Church, Frank Pravone, he is the um, he's a member of three different organizations: the National Director of Priests for Life, which is a pro-life organization; the National Pastoral Director of Rachel's Vineyard, which I assume is another pro-life organization, and the president of the National Pro-Life Religious Council, which I know is a pro-life organization. He has recently, Sam, been um, laicized, which is a, a Catholic word for defrocked. In other words, he had his priesthood authority taken from him because he is pro-life. This is an authority in the Catholic Church, Sam. Uh, why would they do this? I thought the Catholic Church was staunchly pro-life. At least it used to be when I was young. I've got several cousins who are Catholic um, and I've always known the Catholic Church to be uh, firmly on the side of life rather than abortion. But apparently uh, that's not the case. He goes on, uh, Steve Wood goes on in his letter to Joel Skousen by saying, Why is our abortion and homosexual marriage uh, supporting president given Holy Communion? So I guess our president, who is a Catholic, Joe Biden, is still taking communion, and he hasn't been uh, prohibited from doing so. By spineless clerics, while Father Pravone can't even say Mass. Why are the 89 Catholics in the House of Representatives who voted for the Disrespect for Marriage Act not disciplined, while Father Pravone is disciplined? He is laicized. Why are homosexual-loving clerics promoted and given papal audience, while Friar Pravone, or Father Pravone, whatever the title is, is kicked to the curb? And I agree. This is appalling. I never thought we'd get to this point, Sam, even as bad as things are. I thought at least the religious institutions that we rely on for spiritual direction would never succumb to political correctness, but it appears that they have. And it's sad. Ladies and gentlemen, don't look for a political savior for any of this. Okay, if you, <laughs> this is a moral and a religious discussion, Chris. And spiritually, you will not have a political savior you will not be able to ignore this issue and, and, and move on with your life. You cannot avoid that we've got to turn back to God. You've got to realize yeah. we've got agency and we must use it wisely. If you want the Spirit of God to be with you, you must obey his commandments. Okay? You cannot choose to disobey God's laws and be all right. You cannot expect a political savior to solve any of these problems. All right? No, That's sir, very, no, very, no, very no. clear. And the Catholic That's Church and all these churches, I don't know what their agendas are. I'm not here to attack anybody's religion. I am here to tell you, based on principle, you need to get it clear in your head. Follow Jesus Christ. Here's a religious leader. Now, this, this is Patrick Henry. Of course, this is from our founding era. I wanted to read this earlier, but let's go ahead and read it now. It's, it's a pretty good segue to this quote. So he was, I can't remember what church he was affiliated with back in the day, but he was the first governor of the state of Virginia uh, uh, when, when they gained their independence. But this is, this is the attitude that I wish our religious leaders had today. And this is Patrick Henry, Sam. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? And that's the direction we're headed. We're, we're headed for chains and slavery, spiritually and temporally. He goes on to say, Forbid it, Almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And I have the same attitude. I will not live uh, on my knees begging for, uh, for forgiveness, for not tolerating what God does not tolerate. You know, I will live on my feet. 
uh, or I will die on my feet, as, as Patrick Henry was willing to do. Of course, he didn't. He, he lived on to become the um, governor of the state of Virginia. But I would like to see a little more of that in our religious institutions. I'm afraid uh, we're not going to, Sam. And to the degree that that occurs, God, again, will withdraw his spirit from our land, and we will see the results. Not to mention all of the innocent blood that we've shed on this land, and there is a specific curse upon this land as a result of that innocent blood that we have allowed to be shed. Hey, let's talk about the economy. Do you want to add anything to that before we move on to the economy? No, just uh, I, a lot of people focus on the temporal, and I think it's good to do so, and I think it's essential to do so. But I'm telling you right now that I personally believe that the spiritual governs all, and the temporal is only part of spiritual. So, you know what, that's why you can't look for political savior. That's why you've got to focus on your spirituality. Get that right first. Clean the inner vessel, repent, turn to God, use morality and religion as the great supports, uh, and then you can work on uh, temporal affairs. The economy, inflation will remain high except for housing. Um, You can't believe the reality numbers they're telling you. They claim they're reality, but they're fake, folks. Look, supply chain issues will get worse. It's going to get worse. Chris, I hate to say that because I don't like yeah. that, but it's true. Oh, yeah. We, we we went to get some baby formula the other night and couldn't find the baby formula we wanted. You know, even after this uh, so-called uh, crisis has ended, um, so we ended up Did you know God makes baby formula? formula? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a whole different issue. I, I'll talk to you off air about that. Yeah. Um, no, I do. No, it comes naturally in mother's breast milk. I understand that aspect of it. Um, so just continuing on that economic line that you started off on. So he, so apparently the uh, news media outlets reported that sales were up 7.6% for 2022. But if you calculate the fact that inflation is up 8.5%, that means that sales are actually down 0.9%. But they, they don't tell you that they don't present it in that manner. They just say, Oh, sales were up 7.6%. Well, that's not even keeping up with inflation. <laughs> so, and then of course the supply chain issues that we talked about. Uh, yeah, you know, get what you need now. And I'm glad, Sam. And I don't mean to, to beat a dead horse because we talked about this preparedness. I am so so glad that the, for the last 22 years, I have diligently prepared food. Then I I'm pretty comfortable with the the amount that I have now. I really don't need anything more. But there will be people. Uh, especially younger people that are going to have a hard time accumulating food storage at this point because it's going to be much more expensive. And I'll be honest with you, when when I was getting food storage, I got a lot that was free. I had I looked up uh, advertisements in the local uh, classified advertisements, and there were people literally giving away food storage. You'll never find that today because they're, they're much more precious and people are much more acutely aware that they will be needing them. So those days are over. Anyway, didn't mean to dwell too much on that. Uh, climate change. So we talk, we talk about EVs, and we could talk for a long time. I did a lot of research, but I'll, I'll just um, tell you that Oregon and Washington State are now joining California in banning new gas-powered vehicles. But that doesn't start till 2035. But, you know, that that'll come sooner than we think. But the problem with EV vehicles, and I did a little research, and I don't, I'm not going to go into all the research that I did, 
they're, they're only talking about, for the most part, passenger vehicles, like uh, con- consumer uh, commuter vehicles, like the cars that we own, privately owned vehicles. Not, they're not talking about f- uh, city fleets of garbage trucks or snow plows thing, or buses or airplanes or any other tri- type of um, transportation means. They're talking specifically about privately owned vehicles. And I did a little research and found out that carbon emissions, which they're so concerned about, right? Carbon dioxide emissions, um, only about 7.5% of carbon dioxide emissions are caused by uh, privately owned vehicles, okay? But here's the problem. If you consider that 81% of the electricity that we as a nation produce is carbon-based, then you factor that in, and that 7.5% figure goes down to about 1.3% uh, of, uh, in other words, we will reduce carbon emissions by only about 1.3% if we, if everybody in this nation, Sam, converted over to electric vehicles. Because you still have to use electricity that still uses, for the most part, carbon-based fuels, um, natural gas, coal, uh, fuel oil, uh, you name it. So even if we go over to the, and you talked about in the, in, in the introduction, how you talked about yesterday, was it California that went over to uh, electric garbage trucks? Or was that New That's York? That's right, yep. No, it's New York. Yeah, it's New York, sorry. Um, the, the only thing that this will do is it will limit our travel. So the environment is a huge hoax. It's designed to get us into these electric cars which have um, a, a whole lot less range than gas combustion engine cars. It will restrict our travel, our ability to, to, to move about the country. Uh, it will literally uh, reduce our ability to uh, redress our government for grievances. Nobody can drive to Washington, D.C. in an electric car. It would take weeks you know, to, to recharge them, and it would not significantly, and I'm not going to go through all the the environmental information I got. It's just, it's mind blowing how irresponsible it would be to go to convert over to electric vehicles. It's just not practical at this point. They're not going to solve our energy problems, ladies and gentlemen. That's for sure. Look, the APA just continues to increase environmental regulations. Uh, They just continue to go uh, in in a suicidal manner. Everything they're doing will make life harder going forward. Everything they're doing, I'm going to say this again, intentionally makes life harder for us all, whether it's economically, spiritually, environmentally, whatever you want to say, it's all rolled into this. There's an assault on everything good, moral, and right. Everything Christian is being absolutely assaulted and destroyed. Chris? And probably the most important um, piece of evidence that electric vehicles are impractical is the fact that the free market has not embraced them. Uh, and the only time the free market does embrace them, Sam, is when uh, the government subsidizes the sale of electrical vehicles, like Teslas are still subsidized. I, I'm not sure exactly to what degree, but Elon Musk is still getting subsidies from the federal governments for selling Teslas. <laughs> and that should tell you something, that the, the fair market does not support the sale of electric cars. In fact, I think uh, all of the, the car electric cars sold in America now, I, I don't want to stand on that statement because I may be inaccurate, but I believe that the majority of them are subsidized 
by taxpayer dollars, which should tell you something. I about would I would challenge anybody in the audience to show me one that is not, and we'll discuss it on air. Yeah. So that's that. Um, there's there's all sorts of problems. We could go into you know battery storage, and we could go into. Um, yeah, I've studied a lot about this. Chris is Chris is just starting to get his feet wet in this stuff. I've been at it for quite a while now. Yeah. Uh, people don't understand the amount of electricity we consume in our society is not sustainable. Period. No, it's not. We don't have the generating capacity, and then, you know, and then we'd have to increase uh, our production of coal fire power plants and gas, you know, natural gas. Anyway, I don't want to go yeah, too far. Or, on that. And or, plus, or nuclear. Or nuclear. Uh, the bottom mm-hmm. line, though, is it's not sustainable. Therefore, we need to learn to live on less. And this is Joel Skousen's real big push, by the way. We've got to learn to live yes. on less of everything, Chris. We do, out of necessity. You know, we're no we're no longer going to be the land of abundance. We're, we're going to be the land of uh, just bare-knuckle survival at some point. And, you know, things are really going to hit the fan. Um, and like you said, and I don't mean to ignore the point, we were looking for political saviors. Donald Trump obviously is not one of them. And Ron DeSantis and uh, Joel Skousen talks about Ron DeSantis because it appears as if his star is rising in the political universe. Uh, Joel Skousen says Ron DeSantis will be smart enough to avoid these kinds of fatal compromises. But being as politically ambitious as he is, I don't hold out much hope that he will stand fast to Christian family values either. If the left, left is able to defeat Donald Trump for the nomination, I expect they will turn to Ron DeSantis. And instead of praising and promoting him, they will attack him with all the fervor they can muster. Now, I've got a lot of information uh, for those people that think that Ron DeSantis will, in fact, be our political savior. I've got some information that might change your mind on that. Did you want to go into that, Sam? You bet. Okay. Well, the first item on the agenda here is a few years ago, and it hasn't been too long, like four years ago, the governor of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, signed a bill called H. Bill 741. It's an anti-Semitism bill. He did two things, as far as I'm concerned, that were wrong with that bill, Sam. First of all, protects one group to the exclusion of all other people in the state of Florida. So basically, you can't say anything anti-Semitic. And by the way, um, the definition of, of a, an anti-Semitic statement can be interpreted differently by different people. So I may say, say something like, you know, we need to get rid of all these international bankers. They're ruining our world economy. That could be construed to be anti-Semitic. And I could be penalized if I lived in the state of Florida. I could be penalized for having said that statement, Sam. So I think this creates a very, very slippery slope. For the first place, it protects only a very small percentage of the state that state's population of Jewish people. And one of the other things that I didn't like about it, and I don't think this is illegal, he actually went to um, Israel to sign that bill that the state legislature passed. Uh, and I have a problem with that. I, I have a big problem. I don't think, I, and it's not that it's, that it's Israel. If he had gone to, to uh, Rome, Italy to sign a pro-Catholic bill, that would have bothered me. I don't think you sign bills in foreign countries. You focus on the people that you are supposed to represent, and you stay in the states where those people live. Okay. Um, so this is well, we could develop this in, uh, in extensia, but I won't. So Mint Press has a, an expose written by a man, or at least uh, 
they, they base it on some writings of a man by the name of Mansur Adaisi, who was a Muslim who was a, in Guantanamo Bay at the same time that Ron DeSantis was a human rights officer. So I don't know if people know this, but um, Ron DeSantis was a JAG lawyer in the Navy. He served in the Navy. You know, thank you for your service, Ron DeSantis. I appreciate that. But when he was actually the human rights uh, officer at Guantanamo Bay during the time that three men were, were murdered. And uh, this man who was there, who was actually a detainee, his name is Mansur Adithi. I'm not sure if he's from Afghanistan or Iraq, but he witnessed this and he wrote, uh, I don't know if it was a book, but uh, Mint Press reported on some of his writings. He says, during the U.S. military's notorious onslaught in Fallujah, Iraq, Ron DeSantis also helped to cover up human rights violations as a Navy JAG officer. And he also covered them up when he was at, uh, like I said, uh, Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, where they kept the, the, and I wish they would have kept them on American soil if they were really a threat to our country, or at least on, you know, in the battlefields. I don't know why they had to go to a foreign country to do that. Anyway, he goes on to say this man, Mansour Adithi, who was um, an internee at Guantanamo Bay, they say they cracked down on us. So when they came to break our hunger strike and Ron DeSantis was there watching us, we were crying, screaming. We were tied to the feeding chair. They force fed people. They don't want them to, to go on hunger strikes and die. And that guy, he was there watching. He's talking about Ron DeSantis now. He was watching that. He was laughing, basically. When I was screaming, I looked at Ron DeSantis, and he was actually smiling like someone who was enjoying it. And then I, I mentioned about three suicides that they tried to cover up. They literally, and I don't know if Ron DeSantis had anything to do with this, but he was a human rights officer. He was supposed to be watching over these abuses. They, well, and even Roger Stone came on the radio with me and highlighted uh, the real track record of Ron DeSantis. It isn't what people know. You get this little flash that he's done a lot of conservative things, and he has. And good for him for doing them, by the way. Uh, but it isn't enough, and it isn't who Ron really is. Uh, for example, you hear uh, about Disney, or you hear about Ron going to look into the vaccine issue, or you hear Ron said, we're not going to lock people down. But before that, he was the lockdown guy. Before that, he was the yep. okay, the same things, um, you know, rear their ugly head. And look at the tax status for Disney, Chris. Well, they reversed that. You knew you knew that they had reversed that. And yeah, I tried so he was to a big, fanfare, conservative, awesome guy. But now, we're, uh -huh. oh, wow, what's going to happen? We're going to still, what, be in bed with Disney? Yeah, and that... And that, uh, the, that, the original reversal where he um, rescinded their special tax status, that wouldn't have even begun until June of next year. So not one day did Disney pay their fair share of taxes, which I hate to use that terminology because it sounds like a liberal. But why should, why should any organization or business uh, have special tax, tax status? If you're going to give special tax status to anyone, give it to everyone. You know, why uh, favor one particular organization or one company over another? It just doesn't make any sense to me, Sam, but they did reverse that. So I would think hunky-dory for Disney at least. Well, and on the border is another great example. Yeah. Right. Uh, did you want to go into the border extensively? Yeah. No, okay, let's, let's talk, talk about, about Ron's reality on the border. They make a big old heyday about their shipping illegals yeah. all over the country. I'm not excited about them shipping illegals around the country. I don't care who's doing it. Well, it didn't help. They, they shipped, he and the Texas Governor Abbott, they shipped um, 
some of the illegals to Martha's Vineyard, vineyard thinking that they were making a, a political statement. Well, I guarantee you those those immigrants aren't there anymore. <laughs> I'm sure they got uh, shipped out of there post-haste. Um, but they were trying to make a political point, um, and I, I wish they would do something more uh, of more substance rather than just making um, a poetic expression like that. So that's those are some issues. Yeah, he he shouldn't have done that. He should have just uh, he should have. I don't know what 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 do you do because immigration is a federal issue. Uh, maybe the founding fathers should have done something when they wrote the Constitution, giving the, the states that are on the border uh, the power to uh, manage the border. I don't know. Look, you're not going Look. to do well on the border when Congress controls the border. Okay, Congress can rein in the illegal activity of the presidents in a second. Okay, Congress is responsible, and we continue to elect bad people. Look, we're fine with the George Santos guy that literally lied and through criminal activity and lying got elected. No one has a problem with it but me, Chris. So when you elect those kind of people and then your border leaks like a sieve because your Congress will do nothing about it, you get what you deserve, people. Yep. Yeah, so that that's why I abandoned the Republican Party because they, they were not effective in protecting the security of this nation at the border. So in general, I, I, I don't, unless, unless they're like a Ron, uh, Ron Paul or a Rand Paul, I, I might not even vote for Rand Paul. You know, his record's not squeaky clean. So Ron, going back to Ron DeSantis, one thing that uh, Joel Skousen has mentioned in past World Affairs briefs, and this one in particular, is that Ron DeSantis and his wife have both expressed early ambitions, ambitions for Ron to gain the presidency. So he's basically an office seeker, which should be a red flag. Uh, of course, in our founding fathers era, they did not campaign for elections. They sat at home quietly waiting for the results of election elections. I guarantee you, um, George Washington, uh, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and all of the other founding fathers up until, uh, but not including, uh, Andrew Jackson was the first one to, to start the tradition of campaigning. They did not campaign. They did not seek public office. They waited for the people to nominate them for their respective political parties, which, again, I think was a huge mistake. I don't think we should have had political parties. But they just waited and let the people basically decide the election without interference from them in terms of the campaign. But Ron DeSantis has, and that's something that Joel Skousen is concerned about. I wouldn't be nearly as concerned about Ron DeSantis wanting to assume the office of the presidency if I thought he was a constitutionally based individual. But well, and here's my that. response to Joel Skousen and Chris Carlson and, 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 and the, Scott Bradley and all of you guys. I agree with you a thousand percent. But until you come up with a solution and put somebody else up that you believe could do a better job. That's who we're left with, my friends. I know, I know. And I used to think that way for years and years and years, Sam. But you still no think that way because you don't have a better solution. Well, third party. There are no third party um, solutions that are yeah. real because nobody will back them and there is no money. Dr. Scott know, Bradley tried to become the U.S. Senator in the great state of Utah. He tried to run for president on the third party and all he did was lost his shirt financially for it. Uh, and there was no other value than that that I can tell. I mean, he was educating so people across the country. That's good. Yep. But again, That's good. Um, there's no solutions. Who do you propose should be president in 24? 
Um, Scott Bradley, Daryl Castle. He won't run. He won't run. Sam Bushman. I won't running? run. Okay. <laughs> nope. Not willing yep. to run. You want to know why I'm not willing to run? Because you'll be wasting your time and money? Yeah, and because I'll basically have to shut down this radio network to do it, and then I'll have neither. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah, won't make any sense at all. In fact, that would just be absolute stupidity. Okay, so the problem yep. is you can't find a person to run. So, hey, they're proposing Ron unless you have a better proposal. Hey? Nope. I don't. I sympathize with people like you. And like I said, I was in your position many years ago. But for whatever reason, I've decided not to vote for the lesser of two evils because the lesser of two evils. Oh, I don't, evils. I don't vote for the lesser of two evils. I still vote for, th- for a third party. Because right. I still no, believe I in their do. cause, but you. I'm telling you, unless you can put up a, you don't even have a third party proposal, do you? Uh, everybody you named won't. Run. I don't know who's name, well, name somebody who's willing to run. And well, the problem they is that declared the, their. Well, the problem is that the conservatives have nobody. Yeah, I don't even know who's going to be running. Who do you think is going to be running under the Democratic ticket for president seat? I have no like idea. I don't know who's going to be running under, any, under any ticket. I just know this. So far, I don't have a single person that I would vote for. We better get one quick if we're serious. Let me tell you this. If you never ask the girl out, you're not going on the date. If you get the point. Okay. All right. <laughs> Folks, I appreciate your yeah. point. And I, I get it. I don't disagree. But, man, when you come up with no solutions, it's not very impressive. Right? So Ron DeSantis is the best guy. And he's not even offering to run, is he? Donald Trump is the best guy that's announced to run, isn't he? Yeah. He's the only one. God save the republic. That's all I can say. <laughs>